1: Hello Trojan fans, welcome to the Parastyle Podcast on a Monday. Today, we had a recap: the USC Spring Game. Yes, spring practice 2023 for the Trojans is over. We got to see, and 25,000 people or so in person got to see the Trojans finish up spring ball uh, Saturday afternoon. Lovely day. In the Coliseum, we got to talk with the coach, Harvey Hyde, who was there in person, along with me up there in the press box, checking out everything that happened at the spring game. And you can follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, HarveyHyde.com, for all of his content, and his takes on USC and the like. Uh, you can also send us a question. We're going to have a long offseason, guys, about you know five months or so before we see some Coliseum action again. But we'll have plenty of shows uh, talking about USC football recruiting, all the aspects of it, off-season workouts, everything. If you want to send a question and have a topic you would like us to discuss, you can do that by emailing us, podcast at uscfootball.com, or call or text us at 424-254-9141. Leave us a text or a voicemail. we love to hear from you there, and we'd love to hear from you over on the Apple Podcasting app. And if you follow us there, leave us a five-star rating. It does help to grow the show. So we appreciate when you do that. And wherever you listen to us on the uh, podcast, we have – the parasol podcast, all those podcasting platforms. So wherever you're listening to us, thank you for doing that. If there's a way to share it with your friends, anyone that you know that loves USC football, that would be great as well. But let's bring in the coach Harvey. Hyde. coach. How you doing, sir?
0: Ryan, buddy. It's great to be back with you for a while. We've had a couple of weeks off here and a break, uh, spring break involved in it too. And, Football never goes away. That's why we talk football year-round. If it isn't one thing, the spring game, then it's recruiting, then it's the portal, then it's back to academics, then it's back to fall camp, and then the opening game, and all the above. But we've got a lot to discuss. I know a lot of people were out at the Coliseum on Saturday, as you mentioned, a beautiful day. And, Ryan, 25,000 people announced were there, and I wouldn't argue with that number. I thought that number was somewhat accurate. And I also felt that with as little publicity really that was given for that game, I thought that was a hell of a showing for the Trojans fan club and parents and Rooters and boosters and uh, students and everybody.
1: Yeah. I wanted to get your thoughts on the environment there. Uh, I was up, you were, you were down uh, in there in the crowd and I was up there in the press box. We got a little different kind of view of what was sort of going on there. They kept, you know, the the press box side is where all the, the fans were seated. And it looked pretty, you know, crowded in there uh, because they weren't, you know, it wasn't like a place you could kind of spread out all over the place. They kind of kept it to just that press box side. The other side of the uh, stadium uh, was empty. Um, but that's where you were. And it looked like there was a lot of people there. Like you said, a little over 25,000 people announced. But what was the environment like out there? It was It if, if you don't know, it was a... Um, two 15-minute halves of football, which looked like regular football with the offense going against the defense and a modified scoring system. So you got basically like a half of football, like you saw the first quarter and second quarter, and they treated the time in between the two quarters as halftime. Uh, but what was that environment like for you, Coach?
0: I think it was good to get down there and uh, be with the people. And I was with some friends, too. So <clears throat> we had the opportunity to talk back and forth about everything. Uh I think that uh, it was good having everybody bunched together where you get a better feeling of uh, football and the way it should be in the Coliseum as far as being full. I didn't know if you noticed or not, but the SC was upside down, so the cameras were on the other side, obviously, shooting at the crowd, uh, which meant the SC would be facing the cameras. I don't know if you noticed that at the middle of the field. Did you notice the SC was turned around, uh, pointed the other way?
1: Oh, I didn't realize that, no. No.
0: Yeah, it was turned around when you first looked at it. He said, "Wait a minute. They've got it upside down." But no, it was pointed the other way and uh, it was a good feeling And the Heisman trophy presentation at halftime was I thought, "Well done." And Caleb uh, of course deserving of it. The only thing I thought what what might have happened? Ryan. Okay. And I think this would have been a great opportunity at halftime when that Heisman trophy was handed out if the crowd now I didn't have a mic okay started well <laughs> I started chanting Reggie Bush Reggie uh, Bush Reggie Bush at that time that would have shown a lot of momentum towards the Heisman Trophy people is hey we want Reggie back
1: that's a that's an interesting uh, observation there coach because yes you had I think it was the chairman of the Heisman Trust that was giving the, the trophy and, just so you know, so you saw in December, Caleb Williams got his Heisman Trophy. So he has his trophy. He's brought it around different places and different events. But there are three copies of every Heisman. One, the Heisman Trust keeps one, so they have a you know a record of all the Heisman. So anyone that's won the Heisman, the Heisman Trust has one of those trophies. The player gets one, obviously, and then the school gets one, so the school can put it on display. This was the presentation of the school, USC getting the Heisman and from what Jack Smith said uh, our intern who is a student at USC they none of the Heismans were in Heritage Hall over the weekend so when you have a lot of recruits around they usually bring the Heismans to different parts of either you know the uh, campus or the Coliseum to kind of show them off and let the recruits sort of play with them touch them or whatever not play with them but they're not like toys but you know whatever they use them in at whatever their events are going to be Uh, It'll be interesting to see when they get Caleb Williams-Heisman on display. And also, Coach, they didn't have any of the numbers, the retired numbers, in the uh, peristyle end of the Coliseum. So will this year, will they have the 13 in there? Will they have Caleb Williams' number? That'll be interesting to watch, too.
0: Oh, they've got to have it in there. When you're a winner, you go up. That's the way it goes. You go up. And uh, I'm interested to see if by the fall – if they can't get number five back up there, because I've always said all along, and you know, I've been strong on that, that you don't take away an award that was won on the field. And today you don't even follow the guidelines or whatever, why they took that award away and forfeited all those games because of the NIL and all of that. That come on, guys, enough is enough. Give the trophy back where it should be.
1: No, I agree with you, coach. And uh, it seems like the momentum keeps going in that direction. We'll see. Uh, If anything changes, but Caleb winning um, and getting the Heisman sort of back involved with USC, probably not a bad thing there. Well, speaking of Caleb Williams, we only got to see him for one series in the, in the game. Uh, And they came out and sort of, I guess you could say they sort of blitzkrieg the defense three plays, 75 yards. Um, There was like a 20 yard Austin Jones run in there, I believe. But then the rest of it was, you know, two passes, Caleb Williams and, you're in the end zone, touchdown, boom, and then he was done uh, for the rest of the afternoon. But I don't. Any issues with Caleb only playing a series, and then uh, any thoughts on on him?
0: Well, you've got to be careful. You don't want to get him hurt. He doesn't have to prove anything, but I think maybe a couple of more series. I think the people would like to watch him, and I think he probably would have liked to have done it. Uh, you know, they they. Kept their hands off the quarterback the entire day, so I didn't think he would have been able to be touched. And the players know they would never touch their own teammate like that, a player like that. But uh, that didn't seem to be any reason to play him as far as against the defense, because that was a joke as far as how quickly they scored. And everyone was there really to see the defense and how it would perform. And in three plays, three plays they score it sort of put everybody in shock. So I think they probably took him out, because they didn't want that to happen time after time.
1: Yeah. The Lincoln Riley said he's played a lot of football. You you know, you're not necessarily looking for anything, uh, you know, from Caleb Williams and I, I get it. But the point I, I would just because the crowd is there and they, this is really the first time they get to see him doing anything, uh, since, you know, winning the Heisman. It's like, Hey, it'd be nice to see, uh, you know, what Caleb, uh, you know, Caleb could do. So, um, but you know, and this, this is a situation where, Hey, uh, you know what you got, they got to see like a little flash of him. So if you got there early, hopefully people were in their seats by the time Caleb Williams took the field, boom, boom, boom down the field. And then you're like, all right, let's look at some of the other quarterbacks. Let's look what Miller Moss looks like or Malachi Nelson. So I kind of get it, but it, I agree with you coach. Another series or two would be nice just more for the fans than not for, you know, if Lincoln Riley's focused on what do we need to get accomplished in spring football, we don't need to see Caleb Williams out here. Um, but, you know, with all the fans there, it might have been nice to for them to get to a little more viewing of him.
0: I agree, and especially with the national televised game. As far as the Pac-12 network, there's a lot of people that want to see the Heisman Trophy, and it's great publicity for the University of Trojans your Southern California football program. And you keep the uh, viewers on a while. Uh, they don't uh, turn it off right away because they want to watch and see Caleb Williams play. Even if he handed the ball off just to the running backs and so on, uh, and they moved the ball pretty quickly on the ground, just to have him have a little time on the field so people could appreciate him and all of the above and the awards and so on. And and I know he would have done it because he's a gamer and he's a winner. And uh, I think it just would have been a better thing that, you know, like you said, how about people that relate They didn't even have a chance to see him.
1: Yeah. And, you know, to be fair, we saw Brendan Rice get one catch. Uh, There was a 45-yarder to start the game. So there was like boom. Then they handed off to Austin Jones. He had one carry. He had a 20-yard carry. He was done. And then uh, Mario Williams ended up having a few catches, but he'd had a 10-yard touchdown catch. Um, And that was – that. that capped that drive. So – some of the starters, we did see the starting offensive line uh, kind of rotate through uh, with the other quarterbacks as well. Um, but, you know, I, I get it. We didn't see a lot of some of the veteran players that you kind of know, uh, you know, what they're doing, especially on the defense, on the offensive side of the ball. Defensive side, I don't think anybody's safe. You got to, you got to be balling out and uh, doing everything you can to oppress anyone. But I would say on the offensive side, I get it. there's some people you didn't really, uh, you didn't really see too much of, you know, two passes. You know, Miller Moss ended up throwing, I think, 17 and, and Malachi Nelson threw 20. And then Jake Jensen came in and threw uh threw six. He actually looked pretty good uh coming in there. Uh, but yeah, so uh but okay, so outside of Caleb Williams, I just mentioned the other quarterbacks, Miller Moss, uh the the former four star prospect, he was uh nine of seventeen. Thought he had a touchdown, ended up being an interception, uh, Jacoby Covington. Uh to Dorian Singer, it looked they called it a touchdown, and Miller Moss at Dorian Singer. Ends up being reversed. Singer, I, we talked about it afterwards. He didn't seem too happy about that decision. But Malachi Nelson was 12 of 20. Uh, he had a couple of picks. And uh, Jake Jensen came in late and was 5 of 6. And, and ran, all three of the guys like ran the ball pretty well when they, when they had to, even though it was two-hand touch. If you got touched, uh, the play was dead. But any thoughts on the other three quarterbacks, Coach?
0: Well, I think uh, Miller Moss is getting much better, and I think especially when they utilize him to what he does the best, you know, he puts a lot of pressure on himself to look good, too, at the same time. And uh, I think he's a great kid. I think he's really loyal to USC. I think that if something happened to Caleb that he would be able to step in there because there's such a surrounding cast around him that he can utilize as far as with the receivers and running backs this year. And the offensive line, I think, has improved that I think that he would be able to uh, make a uh, uh, an impact. Now, Nelson, Nelson's a ways away. He's a high school kid. He was injured and so on else. And I think he's still got some playing time and some coaching. Uh, Kingsbury or people to bring him along. And uh, I think the first two guys would be capable. Of course, you know, like the first guy, okay, he's a magician. You know what I mean? He's a whole different thing. I mean, it's just a matter of time, on you know, you know, every time he touches the ball, it's a matter of time that something's going to happen—either uh, himself, or scramble, or pass the football, or, or something. It's exciting to watch, and uh, the other guys, I think, uh, really right now, Miller Moss, but the others too. You got to wait a while.
1: Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. And uh, you mentioned the offensive line. Uh, if you want to look for the, the guys that were starting, um. I believe it was uh, at left tackle, um, Michael Tarquin, and then they had Gino Ciones at left guard, um, Justin Diddich at center, um, Jarek Kingston at right guard. Or I, I keep mixing up Kingston and Tarquin. I forget. Um, Kingston, I believe, it was right guard, and then uh, Jonah Monheim, Jonah Monheim at right tackle. Um, so. Kind of any thoughts on uh, what the offensive line looked like?
0: Well, you you got it right. I think that was the starting offensive line. Whether it'll be the starting offensive line in the fall, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, I was disappointed uh, that Cortland Ford is not going to be around because I think he's got great potential. But again, you know, when you bring in players, you've got to want to compete. And if you don't want to compete, then you go somewhere else. But I think the offensive line, uh, as a unit, Played pretty good. Now they didn't face a lot of different uh, different stunts and alignments and aggressive football and so on. They knew where everybody was going to be and really the advantage went to the offense with the defense playing what they played defensively and be limited on, you know, where they lined it up, lined up and the linebackers deep and playing man secondary coverage and then no real big pass rush where you can't cover the guys all over the field. Uh, you know, that's a difficult uh, group of receivers to cover all day long so you know but I thought the offensive line uh, from a year ago I think is it more in place let me put it that way more in place there's not as many question marks and they've got some depth so I think you know Murray uh, Murphy I think he's going to be a good player and if he can't stop uh, or get in there and start then he's a good backup guy too and they've got combinations to move uh, Mohan inside if they have to and 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 all the different things. And obviously the Florida tackle is doing better than what they anticipated because they've got the big Washington State uh, tackle inside at right guard. So they're making different combinations. That sort of surprised me. But I think overall the offensive line should be improved, should be improved from what I saw Saturday.
1: Yeah, and I I would agree with you, Coach. And they look like they did a good job opening up some holes. We got to see – um, like we mentioned Austin Jones, yeah, he was out there. We got a couple carries from Darwin Barlow. Um, you know, Marshawn Lloyd only had one catch. He didn't have a carry, but uh the, the South Carolina transfer, but it went for 24 yards and he had some nifty moves in there. But seeing uh, you know, a Marion Peterson or Quentin Joyner, um, you know, they combined for I think it was like 133 yards and a couple of touchdowns. Both of them averaged over ten yards a carry. Uh, they looked really good. Um, so it, it seems like the running game's in, in good shape, and we got to see uh, Rayleigh Brown mostly playing in the slot. So that was a little bit different there. Uh, but any thoughts on the, the run game, Coach?
0: Right. I think the running backs uh, and the running uh, group of players are, are a solid group. I like Lloyd. I liked him when I watched him at uh, Southern, or Southern uh, Carolina, South Carolina. I liked him there. He's they haven't had a back like him for a long time that can break it. I mean, he's a powerful back. Uh, he's built close to the ground. He's got great moves. He's got great balance. He's a zigzagger and he gets that extra yard. i don't I don't think they've had a back like that recently that I can remember. And uh, Jones is a hard running back, and he's uh, looked good on his first carry. Bartow I think he's going to be a pretty good player he was last year didn't utilize him much and the th- and the freshman kids uh really had a field day they really had a field day they ought to be real happy and and the way they ran the football but again it all comes back to that old theory is the offense that loaded or is the defense that bad and again you don't know but you've been hitting yourself the entire spring so you have to wait till the fall but that's what it all comes down to. I think the offense will be a better offense than it was a year ago, okay? How can it be? How can it not be? I mean, it just got better receivers. I tell you, the most impressive player, new player I saw on the field on either side of the football, either side of the football, just branch kid, number one, the receiver for Bishop Gorman High School. He brings USC offensively something they haven't had in a long time. That's a burst of speed. Uh, if you give him an inch, he'll take a mile, okay? And he'll be playing there with uh, Brown, and I'll tell you, they want those scooters in there. There just was not enough room for Brown in the backfield. Just not enough room. They've got that many players, skilled players, on the offensive side of the football. I don't know how they're going to rotate them all in there, but they're all good players. So, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's what I look at on the offensive side. I just can't help but think they're going to be better. They're loaded but what type of rotation are they going to use? How are they going to keep them all happy? I don't know how are you going to scout that offense. I'm not quite sure. Is it by formation? Is it by rotation? Who's in the game? Who's not in the game? Uh, they can all play. So uh, I think it's going to cause a real uh, difficult thing for a defensive coordinator.
1: I agree with you there, coach. Um, and, you know, outside of branch, we didn't see a whole lot from the wide receivers. Uh, you know, uh, on Saturday. So why don't we, let's move over to the defensive side of the ball. There were like, obviously that opening drive was not pretty. Um, the run game, uh, was the, the run defense was not really existent, but they did, you know, they made some plays. I think they limited the passing game uh, for a lot. There was three interceptions, you know, um, two by Jacoby Covington and then Christian Pierce, the the freshman safety that everyone's pretty high on. He had an interception um, and a 36-yard return, which was kind of fun. Uh, There was uh, Jamil Muhammad, I think, had a sack fumble, uh, forced a fumble that bounced around a little bit, and then Max Williams ended up jumping on it uh, eventually. And, yeah, there was a couple of sacks. uh, You know, uh, Solomon Tula, the you know, Solo, I think he had a big game. Dijon Benton got in there. Um, You know, I think Sam Green, the the freshman uh, rush end, had a, had a sack. Um, I I thought um, I, I remember what what was it? Uh, uh, Bar Keon Bar's running down Miller Moss from behind and getting a sack, but they didn't really they didn't credit him with that. Some of the stats that we were given, I don't know how accurate they were. They came out really late, whatever. But um, there were some big plays on the defensive side, but also you know there was uh, some some deficiencies too. So I was maybe give your overall thoughts on how the defense looked, coach.
0: Well, I keep looking for that spark on the defensive side of the football. What I mean by guys that are headhunters, guys that run to the football and really put the hits on people. Uh, when you're an offensive player, you really brace uh You know, the offensive guy seems to be the hammer and still, the, na- and the defensive guy still seems to be the nail. Uh, they move the ball with just too much ease. Running the football is an absolute joke. They could have run the ball every down. Uh I look for improvement in the defensive line, and obviously the big kid, Sullivan, uh, at the nose, 99. uh, He takes a spot. I couldn't tell how well he ran. I didn't think he ran real well. I thought Bars, the kid from Arizona, was the uh, the best defensive lineman they have. As far as running around the field, number 92 and making plays, he he had some movement in him. Uh, Lucas is getting a lot of praise, but I didn't see him make a lot of plays. I mean, he's a young kid. Now, don't get me wrong. He's a first-year kid in the spring. He redshirted it. Well, I guess he didn't redshirt, but he played at Texas A&M and then came in. But I didn't see any dominant plays from the linebackers that have come in. Most of the tackles were made beyond the line of scrimmage. Secondary guys made most of the tackles the entire scrimmage, as they did last year. Uh, You know, when you average 9.6 yards a carry... By every back, I mean, that's, that's running right through the defense. And uh, that's not all with your first-string guys. And I know it's not all with your first-string guys on defense either. But uh, they, they couldn't stop him. I mean, they stood up on the defensive line. They got driven back. Uh, I mean, when Jones ran his first round out to the outside, there was no contain whatsoever. He just ran around the corner and ran as far as he wanted to run, and then somebody jumped on him. So it may be a lot of busted uh, assignments. But as far as the growth of the defense, I think the secondary young players are coming along. And again, you saw a couple of pass interference penalties. Why not? Here You're playing against some of these great players. You're not getting the rush that you should get. You're playing man defense in most situations. You can't cover a guy all over the world that, that, that the field that runs like those guys and the patterns they have. So they could have run a screen a lot more. They could have done a lot of things a lot more. And they kept it pretty much limited on the offensive side of the football. And I sort of felt sorry for the defense. Defense ended up winning the game, starting up 24 nothing. But again, Caleb didn't only play but three plays. And Moss was limited. Nelson played most of the, I think, got most of the runs or turns, I think. And uh, on defense, I've still got a lot of questions. Because I was looking forward to seeing the linebackers. And I read some articles where they say that uh, if they went to the same scrimmage, how fiercely the linebackers attacked the line of scrimmage and made some vicious type of tackles. Where I was sitting, I didn't see that. So uh, on defense, and I think uh, Lincoln Riley said that. In his press conference, he says, we got a ways to go. We've got a lot to still work on. I think he recognizes all of that. He does. He just doesn't want to say it, because he understands it. they got a ways to go on defense still, a long ways to go.
1: No, I would agree with you, Coach. There's a a long ways to go, but I think that overall, personnel does look better. Um, Does that translate to a much better defense? That's the, the question right now. But, I mean, overall, just looking at personnel you saw out there and keep it in mind that there are some guys that were uh, missing like a uh, Tyrone to you know, I think he had like seven and a half tackles for loss last year. Uh, he wasn't around most of the spring, uh, Tan- Stanley to a Fulu. Um, and he, you know, the defensive lineman, he was out safety. La Lecron- McCutcheon was out Solomon bird, the edge rusher, who's, you know, made some plays. He was out. Um, so there were some guys that were missing, especially in that front seven. Um but you know, overall did you feel like the, the talent
0: looked better? I think the talent could be better. Uh uh because there's a couple of players I felt that played last year shouldn't be playing on this level. I was hoping that uh they would be a little bit more uh polished and a little bit more uh physical than what they were. I mean, Corey Foreman got credited for two tackles, but they were both down the field by 20 yards. I don't know you credit. You know, he's chasing somebody, making a tackle. But, yeah, he made the tackle. So, you know, I like to see people play on their side of the football, stop it before it gets started. And I didn't see much of that. Now, now don't get me wrong, they didn't utilize their whole defense either as far as getting after people and mixing it up and so on. And on offense, they didn't use their whole offense either. So you got to look at it and say, did you accomplish? And Lincoln Riley, are you happy? Are you a better football team? And do you really believe your defense is a better football team? And how far do you have to go to stop Notre Dame, to stop UCLA, to stop Oregon, to stop Washington? How far away are you from that? San Jose State, I think you can stop them. Nevada, Reno, Nevada, yeah, I think you can stop them. Stanford, yeah, I think you can stand, uh, stop Stanford. They're a new program and they're down. Yeah, I think you can stop those guys. But are you going to win a national championship or play in the playoffs currently at the level that you are right now and where you're headed? That's what I evaluated as. It was you 11-3 and three last year? And everybody remembers which games The Cotton Bowl, number one, when they just, it was embarrassing, basically, with the way their defense played. UCLA, not a good game, and I'll never forget the Utah game and the Pac-12 championship game. That was embarrassing as far as the USC football program. Yeah.
1: No, you're right there, Coach. Um, That's the question. Can they get to that level? Um, You know, I think the defense will be better. How much better uh, is the question? Let's uh, take a break and we'll come back and we'll talk a little bit more spring ball. Then we'll answer a couple questions and get you out of here. Back in a minute. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?
0: All right, we're
1: back here on the Peristyle Podcast. Didn't see a lot of special teams, Coach. Uh, You got a couple touchdowns. I mean, uh, field goals. Dennis Lynch, um, that was nice. And they got the, uh, you know, looks like a good punter now. Um, I think he only punted a couple times. But we just, Eddie Saplinski from uh, Arizona State. I think he was doing kickoff duties and stuff, too. But he looks like a real, actual, real punter. I think it was all Pac-12 last year so. Probably fine on the special team side. We didn't see a ton of that. But any other thoughts, uh, something that stood out to you at the spring game before we kind of
0: move on? Well, you know, they didn't do uh, special teams live, and you never do, really. Uh, but I had a chance to see who they were using as, uh, you know, punt returners or kickoff returners, and I think they have the right players. You got to have your burners back there. Branch has got to be one. He's used to returning punts and kickoffs for touchdowns at Bishop Gorman High School. Michael Jackson the third. He was quiet yesterday, but he's a heck of a player. I'm telling you, he's a heck of a player. You got to get him in the game somewhere. He's got great hands and so on. Um, uh, that's all basically you could tell from special teams. Uh, uh, the kickoffs. Uh, weren't as deep as what I anticipated. They fair catch them, but I'd like, I'd like to see kickoffs go through the end zone where there really isn't just any decision on what's going to be where you're going to get the ball, where the defense is going and on. There's not any type of chance you're going to get any field uh, field position. Maybe there's a different philosophy of kicking the ball to the side and making them run out and try to stop them on the 10 yard line or whatever. And I can see that, but I like to see people demonstrate the power in the leg And uh, I think the Arizona State kicker averaged about 35 yards a punt. I would like to see him demonstrate the ability to punt the ball farther, which he probably can, obviously, to be an all-Pac-12 player. But I like to see these things demonstrated when they have the opportunity to demonstrate them without a rush, without a run-back guy, so we can see and the people can see and the team can see the the potential of a kicking game. And I think that's what's important, especially, you know, maybe a period of time where you kick several field goals, or you kick several uh, things that people can watch the uh, the thing live in a way and, and evaluate the power of these new people and the power of the leg and all of these different things. I, I like to do that as scouting the game or scouting a team.
1: Um, coach, the, when you look at the game overall, special teams, you know, big part of it, but we didn't see a lot of that. Uh, you watch like how things get run. Um, did you like how the game was sort of run as far as like what they were doing? Uh, it was like this modified scoring. So the defense ended up winning. They started with 24 points and, uh, you know, that, I don't think that all that stuff matters that much, but, uh, just the way it was run. Were you okay with things?
0: You know, uh, I was, I liked the 24 points given to the defense because I think basically what you're trying to do there is say, okay, it's halftime or whatever it is. We're up 24 nothing. Now offense, can you catch and win this football game? We're down 24 nothing. Can we win? And defense, can you hold them off? That's the way I looked at why they did that. And, uh, I thought that worked good. Now it was not a game situation. All coaches were on the sideline. I didn't see anybody in the press box, so they did not practice field-to-press box communication. I guess they decided to coach it all on the field, and that's what they did, which is something good. They can make that decision and do that. And they did that. As far as two different quarters being the entire scrimmage, I don't know if they cheated themselves with the number of plays they needed. But, you know, when you get over 500 yards in two quarters on the defense, what would it have been if they went four quarters? So, probably in the long run, they did what they needed to do, and they'll teach off the uh, film, and I think the most positive thing, they didn't uh, get any uh, serious injuries, and I think that's something that a coach and a program always wants, coming out of spring practice, in the spring game, anyone... uh, getting seriously hurt, requires surgery or anything. So I think they uh, got that accomplished. Now they have to decide where they are in the program. They have to decide about the portal recruiting now, who they're going to lose, who they want to keep, who they want to bring in. I understand they're after that big defensive tackle out of Georgia who went into the portal. And I think that'd be something they need to get. I mean, I don't know who he is or how well he plays or anything, but if you went there, he's probably a four or five star. And he's probably not getting his turns. If you're playing at Georgia, you've got to be pretty good. But I hope they don't make a mistake like the Alabama defensive tackle they brought, who never played it down and came injured, if you remember that, and I don't even know what happened to him. So this is what you do in the portal. You, you hope you bring somebody in that can get it done for you. So you've got to evaluate them really well. And you don't bring people in unless they can contribute. I don't bring anybody in the portal unless they can contribute. I mean, start right now or push for a starting position. Otherwise, I'm going for a great freshman.
1: Yeah, it's, it seems like, I mean, portal guys, they want to bring in that can be immediate impact guys. But even if a little depth, sometimes you're seeing some of that with guys coming in the portal. And uh, you mentioned the portal. The, the window opened up on Saturday, April 15th. So a couple of days ago, we're recording this on Monday. April seventeenth, the window is open for fifteen days. It'll be open till the end of the month. So, what does that mean? That means if you are in college and you are not a graduate transfer, you can put your name into the portal uh, during these two weeks. Essentially, you don't need to pick the school or where you want to go. But this is the window where you can put your name in. Now, if you you already have your degree, you can transfer whenever you want. You can put your name in the portal whenever you want. We saw. Uh, Joshua Jackson, the, um, you know, defensive back for USC right before the portal opened because he's a grad transfer, put his name in the portal. So he didn't need to wait for the 15th. He did it. I think it was the 14th, actually the day before, um, you know, we saw, you know, coach mentioned Cortland Ford. Uh, we saw, you know, Malcolm Epps earlier in spring, put his name in the portal. Josh Jackson is in there. And then he, then coach mentioned bear Alexander, the uh, big defensive tackle from, uh, Georgia won a national championship. I think he got a couple of sacks or something there. Uh, his name's in the portal. So someone that USC is uh, coveting for sure. Um, but this is a interesting time because we're going to see names over the next, you know, I guess, whatever, 12 days or whatever's left, 13 days. Uh, p- players putting their names in. But just so people know, you don't need to pick a school in the next two weeks. It's just if you want to be in the portal, you have to put your name in before the end of the month. But it, it's kind of, it's, you know, With USC spring game being over, if they're players that weren't happy with their playing time or where they're looking like they are in the depth chart, this is their opportunity to go into the portal. And for Lincoln Riley, it's probably an opportunity to what they call like processing guys out. If there's a guy you just don't think is going to contribute, you talk to him and like, hey, you know, your best shot is probably going into the portal. And uh, that opens up a spot for somebody else they could bring in. So it's uh, we should get some interesting information, Coach, over the next couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, it's a difficult thing to do to tell a kid, you know, you think you should go into the portal. It's like telling the kid you're fired. It's really hard. I have trouble telling kids that. But uh, kids have got to understand if they want to play football, this is what it's all about. And uh, things have changed. It's not like it used to be. So we're doing it in the best interest of the football program and also in the best interest of you. I like it better when kids have had the opportunity to graduate because they at least they have a degree from USC and then they can go. But it's a tough time of year when you have to tell a kid, that, you know, uh, it's nice that you came here, but uh, we can't. Uh, we got to fire you. I guess that's the best way of saying it, huh, Ryan?
1: No, yeah, it's um, it's, it's processed, you know. And there, to be fair, for there's options for student athletes that if you know we've seen guys like retire essentially. And the good thing is they can stay in school. They are still on scholarship. They're just not part of the football program and they're not counting towards that 85 scholarship limit. So we've seen a lot of that. It is easier to do in your first year when a, a coaching change happens. There's some NCAA loop holes or rules, loopholes or whatever. Um, but yeah, they're kind of processed out. And uh, I, I think the schools really do their best to try and, um, make it so these players have you know the whatever's best for them but you know a lot of times what's best for them isn't to be on the roster anymore uh if they want to play it might you know the coaches don't have confidence they'd be able to make you know crack the too deep so it might be better for them to go somewhere else but yeah there's a lot of communication kind of behind the scenes of what is going but you kind of get they say they they call it being processed coach
0: <laughs> it's tough Hey, do you have any uh, idea or have you heard what Gary Bryant's going to do?
1: I have not. Uh, I think he took a couple of visits. So Gary Bryant, the former USC wide receiver who's in the portal. Um, I haven't really paid much attention to that, but we'll kind of track to see where he ends up going. But um, yeah, so I, I know he took a couple of visits. Um, I thought Arizona State might have been involved, but I'm honestly not too sure, Coach.
0: I know he visited UCLA, Arizona State, and maybe uh, Arizona's interested in him. I don't know uh, where he'll he'll end up, but he was one heck of a player out of high school. He was very good, yeah.
1: We got a couple questions from our buddy Dan, class of 62. Uh, He says, what's your philosophy regarding motivation in sports? It appears that the best coaches know how to motivate their players when they're in adverse conditions, such as being on the road, Home games, the fans can help with motivation, but not on the road. Do coaches still use wet balls and wet fields for practice if they know they're going to play an away game or a home game in the rain or snow? Uh, Thanks from Dan.
0: Well, you know, uh, you don't keep things secret. Kids know what's going on, and so on. And if you're going to use the elder, you know, uh, altitude and all that, is you know, we got to do this, we got to do that, and we got to. uh, dress warm, it's going to be cold. If you talk too much about it, I think it gets into the kid's heads. I really believe that. At uh, UNLV, when I coached there, I used to try to schedule our games in the heat and also practice in the heat, so we had an advantage over the teams that came into UNLV, if I could pull that off. Because when we went to other schools, uh, Utah State, University of Utah, uh, Corvallis, Oregon State, hey, we had to adjust our temperature. And when we did that, I tried to make it low-key as much as I could with setting examples with uh, the coaching staffs and uh, what you can wear and what you can't wear as far as it's just as cold out there as it is for them as it is for us. They might be used to it. But uh, those schools use as as an intimidating way. They come out and warm up And they got cut off jerseys with no mittens on or no this or that. And, you know, your kids see that and say, oh, my gosh, I'm freezing. And there's your kids with all these gloves and hats and everything else to try to stay warm. So you try to, you know, counteract that by saying that uh, uh, us coaches, we're not going to wear any jackets. We're not going to do this. We're not going to do that. So that kids see if we can withstand it they can withstand it and try to not let it intimidate us the weather so uh i remember jerry tarquinian used to tell me when he told his kids don't worry about altitude because when we play it's inside and altitude doesn't make any difference inside so you know you just try to true, use weight. Sure. <laughs> i know it's not true but you do things as an example I'm just telling you, do things as an example where you don't get beaten because of the weather.
1: Yeah. Um, but they do, you know, they'll practice with wet balls and things like that for sure, um, you know, when they're going to play in adverse conditions. And even this off season, Lincoln Riley changed some of the workout times so they would actually practice when it was raining because there was a lot of rain uh, over the last couple of months. So they definitely keep take that into consideration. He had one more question says, for many years after world war two is going way back. Dan, uh, the junior Rose bowl was played annually matching the two best junior colleges, uh, in the country and many star USC players came from JC such as OJ Simpson, Frank Gifford and Vince Evans. And in fact, for many years, Santa Ana JC and Fullerton JC were pipelines to USC when freshmen were not eligible to play varsity football in the old Pacific coast conference. Coach Hyde, what was your experience with the Junior Rose Bowl, and what is the current uh, current status of community college football in California?
0: Well, i tell you what. Uh, I love junior college football. I played junior college football. I coached junior college football. I coached three Junior Rose Bowl teams, played Jones, Mississippi, played Henderson, uh, Texas, and we played, uh, well, right then they called it Modesto. That was an in-state or. Junior Rose Bowl game, state championship playoff game, all played in the Rose Bowl. We used to have fifty, sixty thousand 60,000 people at those games. I thought it was great. Uh, just a great opportunity for kids. It was played the first weekend in December. The Tournament of Roses gave us permission to have that game uh, the first weekend in December. And then they changed the turf and do all that. Community college pro- football, I think, is great for kids. I think it's better for a lot of kids that are still maturing, the kids that don't want to, don't know where they want to go, or they're not sure what they want to be, and they have an opportunity to grow up, lift weights, take a gray shirt year, get bigger, stronger, faster, get ahead academically, and then move on. Now, they're not being recruited like they used to be because of the portal. The portal has somewhat replaced the community college programs but they still have tremendous community college programs out there, but you don't see as many players going from the community college programs to USC and so on. Fullerton college. Yes. Had a lot of players. We sent some players there. We had some great players that played community college football, university of San Francisco or not university of San Francisco, San Francisco, uh, San Francisco city college had great teams, but the, Community college program has somewhat gotten lost, and it's very disturbing to me. You see very little coverage at all in the papers at all, if any. There used to be a community college scoreboard every Sunday morning where you knew all this community college scores, and they don't even talk about it anymore. So it's very disappointing because there are great players and great kids and great coaches in the community college level. Uh, some of the top programs now are City of San Francisco, Mount SAC, uh, Riverside City College. Has got a great program. There's some great programs out there, believe me, and uh, some great players that come out of those programs. Yeah.
1: All right, coach. Well, uh, great stuff. My voice is going a little bit. Uh, a lot of talking over the last couple of days. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but yeah, great stuff having you on, and uh, we'll we'll definitely talk during the off season. Um, you know, no no official. USC events kind of going on. There'll be some recruiting stuff, some off season workouts and everything, but always great to catch up with you. I love to get your thoughts on the uh, spring game stuff. So thanks for that. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll, we'll talk to you again, but thanks again for coming on.
0: Ryan, just let me know when you want me on. It's sort of an, I don't want to call it dead period, but it's a period uh, where, you know, you can have me on whenever you need me, when there's certain things happening. And we appreciate you uh, as far as what you do for USC Trojan football. All right.
1: Well, thanks, Coach, and thanks, everyone else, for listening uh, here at the Peristyle Podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle
0: Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting.